welcome, welcome, and I thank you for joining us for another episode of Authentically Secure, the podcast. I am your host, Tommy, and I'm just so grateful that you decided to stream us on today. I'm so grateful that you found it to take a few minutes out of your time and sit and chill with us and and, and dialogue with us a little bit, have your own conversations around the content that we're bringing to you. On today, this is part two of Friends Accountability and Perspective. This was a two-part series based on a conversation between two friends and I on a trip to LA, having girl time, sitting back, reflecting, thinking about, man, we're approaching middle age and talking and, and speaking about things that at this age, mostly everyone has experienced and really taking time to be reflective, having heart to heart, real tough conversations with one another, bearing our souls and doing what we always do, which is be vulnerable one to the other. So sit back, relax. I thank you again for joining us. I'm Tommy, your host. Enjoy friends, accountability, and perspectives, part two. Secure, 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 secure. So anyway, I was telling her that I think that men and women have have, have a false reality of what submissiveness submissiveness oh, is because yes. we they always say you know men always like to say oh women supposed to be submissive it says to be men women wives be submissive to your husbands yet they forget that second part says that you're supposed to love your wife like christ loves the church and then too i think that we all think that being submissive means that we're supposed to do what they tell us to do when they tell us to do it how they tell us to do it and that's just not i just don't think that's real but um or reality, or you know what I mean? That's just been misunderstood, I think, and misconstrued. Yeah. But I was telling her that, um, I, you know, the same way you think you go into marriage, you're supposed to be this good little wife, and the good little wife is, you know, you're cooking, you're cleaning, you're serving, and you're ready when they want you to be ready, and, and how I did that for almost seven years. And, um, you know, being at home with the kids and being late at night cleaning, first thing up in the morning cooking and making sure everybody got breakfast, lunch, and dinner and snacks in between. And like I was saying, he's standing in the kitchen talking about I sure would like. And I'm just, you know, but now that's not who I am now. Do but, you think that the, the false reality comes from or the false um, perspective comes from um, not understanding what a healthy, balanced relationship is to begin with. Probably like so. You come, huh? I say probably so. Right. Like, so if you approach it, like I tell you guys, both of you guys all the time in my BFF, like, I have been privileged to learn and hear what, even though the three of you guys are married, I'm, I'm still just looking at it from a relationship standpoint because really the marriage to me is just the title mm-hmm. that you put on the relationship, that you put on the friendship. And if you guys aren't friends, you know, it's one of the things that I lead with in this relationship. At the end of the day, this is my friend. Mm-hmm. And so how do I approach my friendships? Because the way that I approach my friendships is the way that I want to approach my friendship 
with my significant other. And so the same way that I respect y'all, that I love y'all, and that I allow you guys to be exactly who you are in our sacred spaces, in our sacred texts, in our FaceTime, all of the shit that we do, that's the same attitude that I lead with. And so it makes it easier because it's no, it's no, to me, when we get together, there is no ego in the midst of our friendships. We're just coming and we're bearing our souls to one another and we're being friends and we loving each other and we're supporting each other and we're holding each other accountable. And so to me, in my relationship, that's exactly what I do, the same thing. Because that has what has sustained my my friendship of 30 plus years, that has was, was, um, has um, sustained my relationship of eight plus going on years, my relationship of five plus years going on. These are the things that have sustained those relationships without, even if we've had disagreements and not even having being on the same page, we've been able to do that respectfully one to the other. Now, I can't speak about the baggage that you bring into your personal relationships, man and women, or woman and whoever it is, because we bring baggage. Mm -hmm. We bring our own hurt and pain to that relationship. And what I've had to learn is a lot of the things that my partner says in our relationship, when he says them, it really don't have shit to do with him. For years, I carried that parent just being insecure, insecure about my finances, and I'm in a relationship with somebody where finances is not an issue. So his verbiage is completely different from mine. That verbiage and that language and that covetedness of money is different with him than it is with me. So when he says something to me, I have to remember that, that this man is not attacking me, this is my friend. And so I don't even use the, the, the term my man or anything like that. I always say to him, we're friends first. We are friends first. And so in my mind, that's the way that I have to approach that relationship. You know what I mean? So that I can so go back and be vulnerable enough and say, you know what, that's me. Like, that don't have shit to do with you. I'm sorry for even bringing it to you. And vice versa. And I think that women teach men that. I think that men come to the relationship already with these chips on their shoulder, on their shoulder, particularly black men, because they have to be. They got to go out in this shit and show face. They got to have this, this, this this persona of what they are not already. So they naturally bring that to a relationship. And if you're a woman and you have you have that spiritual base and you have that intuitiveness to know like, okay, you know, I already know what my dude is dealing with. I'm not saying give a pass. I'm saying be vulnerable enough in the relationship to understand who your man is and what he's capable of being and what he's capable of bringing from the relationship. And I've learned that from you guys. I've learned that from being around y'all, being around your husbands and understanding like, oh, okay. Like, oh, I see. My last relationship taught me about maturity and about understanding that well, you can't control nobody. Mm -hmm. You don't have no control over anybody else. And being able to leave that relationship in the most peaceful and balanced way that I've ever done in my life. Because there wasn't no hard feelings, you know why? Because I understood exactly what he was not able to do for me. And, I, and it was okay, I was not mad, I was not angry, I wasn't anything, it was like, oh, he's not gonna be able to do it. But I, I still love him as a person. He's a good dude, just not the dude for me because he's not able to deal with that. His own 
trauma and baggage and all of our trauma and all of our baggage that we bring into these relationships expecting our partners to deliver us from that childhood trauma it's not going to happen mm -mm. it's not going to happen that person two people got to be willing to dig excavate that shit about their life so that you can bring the best parts of yourself to that relationship if you're not able to deal with your own shit and you have all of these false expectations and false narratives for someone else's life, then it's not gonna work out. Because you're thinking that this person needs to do this and that instead of looking inwardly and working on yourself. And that's one of the things that I said, I'm not even gonna worry about you. I'm gonna continue to work on me. I'm gonna continue to work on my attitude, my approach, my perspective, because my shit is skewed. My, my, my lens sometimes, because I have had a very unhealthy approach and attitude toward men, period, period. And that come from being abused, molested, and, and mistreated by men. And so my attitude was already, I'm gonna get you before you get me. And I think that's a lot of our attitudes. I've never had um, like a healthy idea of a man in a relationship. You know, and I remember it, I was so young when I remember my granddad. Well, he's not my biological granddad, but my granddad um, serving my grandma papers and just being such a grown little girl and just wanting to know everything that was going on and always being in earshot to hear what is going on. That you know, he cheated on my grandma, and then so she in turn cheated on him, and then when she got my mom outside of the marriage, you know, um, all of that back. And I remember when he presented her with the divorce papers, you know, this is years, years, and years later, but they've been separated, and he's living with his mom, you know. Mm -hmm. But that's what I saw starting there, and then being. Uh, in first grade, seeing my mom, you know, coming home with her being abused and, and trying to, um, you know, um, nurture her as a, as a child, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. then seeing, you know, then having to jump in the middle mm -hmm. of somebody hitting on her as a Trump. middle school child. Trump. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and then we don't know all that stuff. Like I tell my kids now, like I wish I could. I wish somebody would have given me some counseling at, when I was because I was dealing with a whole lot. You're talking about drug addiction, mom leaving, your grandma being raising y'all. But then she's bitter about having to raise you and hearing all, you know, being verbally abused and all that kind of stuff. And so and, and then seeing, yeah, emotional, emotional and spit. And you know what I mean? And verbally. And then um, seeing my grandma be the aggressive in her relationship with men, mm -hmm. you know, and then saying, that's what I want. That's who I want to be like, because mm -hmm. I don't I definitely don't want to be like my mom, you know, mm -hmm. saying that being the, the weak person, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And then strung out on drugs and always been said that you're going to be just like your mama. Mm -hmm. And so, all, you know, bringing out on this. So with all that anger that I had in me, fought everybody. I mean, I fought my grandma, I fought my mama because I had to dip, jump in. Uh, I was taking it from my sister in some kind of way. Um, had to fight mama boyfriend, had, you know, fought my aunt. I just fought everybody, you know, <laughs> and, and, and just that rebelliousness. And then so getting in that in my marriage, it finally dawned on me because I was hitting on like whenever we got into an argument, he in my face. And I'm just like, you know, just just the first thing is just hit. And then I'm telling him, 
I, please leave. Please give me my space. That he all in this. We don't, you know, we don't need to go to bed angry. We don't need to, you know, he, you know, he's been that spiritual person that he's supposed to be or that lead, but I can't receive it like that. I'm telling you now to lead, give me space so that I can calm down. And then that doesn't happen. Then I'm just, I'm just hitting, you know? And then when I, when it dawned on me is that cause God will show you bits and pieces. (laughs) You can't take it all in one song, but bits and pieces. I found, I saw that I was fighting, um, for my mom, you know, unintentionally yeah. fighting for her. Yeah, yeah, please cry. In my marriage. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. And they said for a long time, they said, well, when he started putting his hands on you, because for a long time, you didn't hit back. Mm-hmm. But then he got tired. But then that didn't stop me. Um, from hitting him, and the only thing that stopped me, I had to go to anger management class. That's when, when the after the um, infidelity came, it was a conversation that I had with him, and I just and it was God. Mine said it was nobody but God because when I heard the hurt in his voice of what I'd done to him by physically, uh, you know, putting my hands on him, um, and then I said in that moment right there, I was like, I'm never gonna put my hands on him again. And from that day forward, don't want to hurt him like that. Don't want to hurt him like that. But he's done stuff that I just made me want to put my hands on him. But because of what God did for me in that time and that deliverance in that setting, I have not put my hands back on him ever again. Mm-hmm. And, and I and I and I won't yeah. prayerfully. Yeah. Um, and this is why I want to. There's a book that I want to do, but I want why I want to talk to other older women yes. to talk about what it is that that they were taught that they had to be for their husbands before they left. And what, you know what I mean? Because well, we put... still in it. They're still maybe in their relationships. But the reason why I want to do older women is because I feel like we've been taught that this false submissiveness, this is how we're supposed, we're supposed to cater to them at every turn. Mm-hmm. That we're supposed to be, that if we don't be, and I even think we get misconstrued that, that Proverbs woman, Proverbs, you know, that noble character, mm-hmm. Proverbs 31 woman, we get, we get that, mm-hmm. we have, we misinterpreted that. And so I want to just talk to older women and see what they've been taught because it's like, They've been taught this thing, and these men are taught that, that, oh, the woman is supposed to do this, the woman is supposed to be that, this woman is supposed to be that, but it's really to each his own relationship and what you've worked out in your relationship. But we come in thinking, yeah, a partnership, and we come in thinking that we're supposed to do this and they're supposed to do that, and there's no, there's no, no connectedness, yeah. there's no, no medium, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's one of the things I, I had a conversation with, about, you know, because his his thought was, oh, you know, when we we did a chore, we have a chore chart, and so you do everything up in here, dishes, cook, your line, you know, and so his his first response was, well, you know, I, I thought that that was something that only women did, huh? Mm-hmm. What? Like, what you you your mom is crazy, so I don't even know where you got that thought from. But it 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 triggered me to have a conversation with him about you need to understand how to take care of yourself. You need to know how to cook. You need to know how to clean. And this is why you have chores. This is why your chore is not one set thing. That's why your chores are everything. Mm-hmm. Everything that I do, you going to do. 
because you're not going to, I don't want you to be in a position where you thought that that was something that only a woman was supposed mm -hmm. to do. No, you, you have that opinion because you were raised by, by a single mom. Yeah, a single mom. You were, you were, you're raised by a single mom, so you, you watched me do all of that, but you also watched an unbalanced, unhealthy, childbearing relationship. It was just me. There was not another parent here to help me do these things. And so, again, moving in with my partner and understanding, like, watching him do, do dishes, do laundry, do everybody's laundry, cook. Now, the kids might not want to eat his cooking, but he do cook. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so there is no title to that in there. It is we all have a chore, and yeah. we all have a chore date, and that shit rotates. Everybody gets to do something. We're not all. Now, the only thing that I absolutely put my foot down for doing is shopping. Because they don't know how to shop. Mm -hmm. You don't know how to take $100 and buy two weeks worth of groceries with it. I do. I'm, I'm going to do that because we, we, we're on a budget that he taught me how to do. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's giving exchange for me. Mm -hmm. And that's, when that stops, then we'll have to do one or two things. But we also and have, have incorporated therapy mm -hmm. in, our, in our relationship, understanding that, oh, you come from one perspective. He's never struggled. He don't even know what to do. He don't even know what that is. It's not. It's a foreign concept to him. So being in a being in a relationship with someone who has struggled their whole existence, you know, it, it was for real like a, a financial cultural class because he was the first financially secure person that I've been in a committed, coveted relationship. I've never, I've never been in a healthy relationship, so I couldn't tell you what that looks like. I can bring my shit to it that I know fucked up some shit along the way, but that's not what I wanted this to be. I didn't take this leap of faith to do the same repetitive shit that I've done in other relationships. So what can we incorporate in our relationship that's going to work? That's going to give us the tools to be able to fight through those that them, that hard times and fight through those conversations. Even, you know, knowing that my ex was was communicating with me and his ex was communicating with him and in two very different ways. Like hers was very romantic and his was all, I'm sorry, I see where I messed up, I didn't do this. And, and it was inappropriate. That's why I said to you, sometimes the emotional communication is worse. I'd rather you go call off on somebody mm -hmm. than be all booed up on the phone with somebody at five o'clock in the morning while I'm laying in the bed asleep because that person got your emotions. Mm -hmm. No, I want all of you. I all want, of you. Yeah, oh. I, don't, I, don't want the, I don't want the little fragment pieces of you and bringing that honestly and vulnerably in therapy and saying okay why do you feel the need to be validated by that mm -hmm. you know what I mean I had to deal with that like oh um because it make me feel good why because you with somebody who makes you feel good at least that's what you're saying and really pulling pulling those those things apart it's about speaking it for me it's about um, saying, I have to say it right then and there, I can't hold it, mm -hmm. um, and learning how to be gracious in that. And I learned that from Lupita. I didn't learn that. I, told you that. I didn't, that's, graciousness ain't something that was on my plate to digest, like, but there is an approach to doing that that doesn't break the other person. And out of everything that, that and I discussed, one of the things that he always says to me is, I appreciate how you handle me. And I'll be thinking, like, in my private time, I'm going writing down my journal, like, damn, you ain't have to talk to that man like that. But because we've been in a space where I've been able to walk him through my past, frame by frame by frame, I believe God definitely has given him 
uh, an approach to handling me. Mm -hmm. You know, the same approach that I have to handling him. And really working through the, that book, that, the love languages books. And his, his love language is affirmation. He needs to constantly be affirmed all the time. That's not my strong suit. I don't necessarily need that. I don't need you to buy me shit. I need to see that, um, you're, I need to see you in action. Mm -hmm. I need to see you doing. And I think that once you learn that that communication, once you have that language, it's another tool. Like it's another tool to make this shit work. And when shit gets bad, or I need to sleep on the couch and he's in the bedroom in the morning, we could say, you know what? You want to talk about this? Let's have some coffee. Let's go ahead and want to talk about it and be real about it with each other. And that's what I appreciate above everything. What I have taken from all of y'all is I'm gonna be transparent. Like what do what do I have to lose? by being transparent. If it's not gonna work out, it's not gonna work out. But I'm gonna be as transparent as I know to be and vulnerable as I know to be in each and every one of these steps along the way. And that has proven to be beneficial. You know, it literally just started when we went to the Dominican Republic. Like, after we had that conversation, I came back. Cause like what you said, I'm, I'm, I was changing, like, like I told you when we was in the Dominican Republic, like, it's like God sent you to me to help me as a person to deal with what I had to deal with. So it's like, maybe I am acting like I'm the man and he like, and it's like, so when I got home, we had the conversation, me and Rogers, and then I started changing. And you can see for yourself that I, I literally started changing. Like, I was a bitch, for real, for real. Like, and I can admit that, you know, so I didn't want this marriage to end like the other marriage. Now that I started learning myself, I I know my worth. Mm -hmm. I know me as a person and I know what I want to do. I know who I want to be, where I want to go, but I'm married to somebody. So I have, I have a, a obligation, I feel, to, to my yourself husband. First. Yes, to yourself, to yourself first. first. To yourself first. To yourself first. I keep saying that because you can't be Whatever that is in your mind that you think a wife is supposed to be, you can't be that if you're not that to yourself first. Right. But I'm saying that you got to continue to work on you mm -hmm. because nothing else is going to sustain. Nothing else is going to continue. You're going to continue to be unhappy. You're going to continue to be frustrated. And you're going to continue to put yourself and everybody else around you in a place of uncomfortability because you're not really happy. You know what I mean? And that's definitely something I've learned from you. Like... Oh, I'm going to do me. I, I, I've said that, like, you can't control me. I understand that you need to control. You, you need, B needs a certain level of being able to put his hand on it and clamp down on it. And I ain't that. You can't do that with me. But what we can do is have a partnership. We can work things out together. And what I am committed to telling you is 100% the truth every time, whether you're comfortable with it or not. And we can talk about the uncomfortability, but I'm going to be me. I, I got to be me, and he, you know, I, I, I just got gut. And we talked about coming here. You know, the this is. Mm-hmm. That's what that. Is that yep. Yeah. Same conversation. Know. Probably a little bit of different conversation, but probably, you know. Yeah, I know. The thing is, and I told my friends, and I told him, I cannot neglect the things that I want to do to appease you. That's not happening anymore. It's not even healthy. You did. I did that in the beginning of the marriage thinking, oh, because that's another thing. We go into marriage with false realities of what a marriage look like. That's what I was so happy when I, damn, it ain't all roses. <laughs> that 
was just like, oh my God, because we go in like it's a fairy tale. You know, and with that fairy tale approach, oh, I thought, oh, especially because we met in the church and we were disciples of Christ. I thought, oh, we were going to be all done off with the Lord and we were going to be, you know, praying together every day and just just all this stuff. And oh, I want I've always wanted to travel since I got the touch of travel. And, it, you know, when my aunt took us to Disney World in fifth grade, I was in fifth grade. And ever since then, I just wanted to. She showed me that it was more to my block than fourth ward. Mm-hmm. And that just, mm-hmm. woo! And, and, you know, the thing that kept me from, then every time I got a chance to plan a trip, I planned a trip. At, my first trip was 19 years old, planning a trip for my girls and I. But I've always wanted to, to travel. And I thought, okay, you get married thinking, oh, we're going to travel together. We're going to do... And no. <laughs> and no, because my husband, that's just not his, you know, he, that's not, he's not, he, he doesn't, you don't have the, all of your things and not going to be the same dreams and the same goals, but that doesn't mean that you stop your life. And for me, I felt like my life stopped because I got married. I had kids. I got to take care of all these people. Um, when I got pregnant with Lauren, I struggled so hard. I had a time where I was just like, oh, my God, it's already about everybody else but me. (laughs) I had a whole shutdown with God. And until I went and got um, the ultrasound and she was a girl, I was just like, I can't believe that he gave. Because I always wanted a girl. And you gave me what I wanted, but not when you think it's going to happen, you know, when you think you're supposed to get it or when you want it. Mm -hmm. And he gave me that. And and that was a light bulb. It was like. Wow, even through all of this stuff I'm trying to do, he blessed me with what I asked for years ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But in, in, in all of that, it was just like everything is about everybody else. And because I wanted to travel, but I didn't have the money to travel. Mm-hmm. I was at home, and at, at home mom, and then not knowing how to make stuff happen being at home. You know, finding, you know, Ways to make money. Yeah, so you won't, you know, have to rely on everybody. I come from a place that I had to ask my husband for everything. Like, can I, can we do this? Can you get my hair done? Can you, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then even having conversations with people that were like leaders of our particular family group, going to them saying that I have to ask them for everything. I feel like a child, you know, and because I could not pay for if I wanted to do something, if I wanted to travel here, if I wanted to travel there, then all that stuff had to be on hold. Well, when the whole thing of the infidelity came and then I got, you know, arrested and then um, um, I ended up going to stay with my aunt for four months. So we were in, we were separated. So during that time, what God revealed to me is that I made him my everything mm. and he can't be my everything. Because here I am, I'm serving this man. You know, I'm doing all this stuff and the stuff that I want to do, I can't do. And I don't even find ways to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So busy, so serving, busy him. serving him and serving my children and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I made him my everything. So I went back with a different attitude. But that just because I went back with a different attitude doesn't mean that the, the marriage has to be dissolved. So I don't know what you, what you know. I feel like you can become who you want to be within your marriage without have leaving, having somebody have you stagnant in it. 
but they need to understand that as well. As well. As well. As well. As well. Man, oh man, what a wonderful episode, man. What a beautiful reflection of friendship. What a way to be accountable to each other. I feel like I'm the luckiest person in the world to have the circle of friends that I have. It is truly a beautiful situation. It doesn't mean that we're perfect and we have our thing. We we go through what we go through. But at the end of the day, I know that without a shadow of a doubt that I can count on my friends to have my back. And that's whether good, bad, wrong or indifferent can count on them to call me out on it. I know that I can go to them to get a prayer through. I know that I can lean on them and depend on them in my time of need. And I've had some really needy days and I I know that they got me. And so I'm so honored that they allowed me to bring this conversation to you all because it was a deeply personal conversation. We had to do a lot of editing because the conversation was just that raw and personal. So if something resonated with you, if something moved you, what you heard was the authentic nature in which my friendships thrive. And again, I just feel really lucky and blessed to be in a position to really understand and appreciate friendship, to appreciate finding your tribe. You know, I, I have. And I'm not proud to say this at all. I have really messed over people at, at times in my life as I have found myself on my journey. I've, I've mishandled and mistreated people. And for that, if I haven't had the opportunity to apologize to you, I'm deeply sorry if you're listening to that, to this. And I understand the value of friendship. And I learned that through these friendships that I have. They're very precious to me. So I wanted to be very respectful of our conversation. My 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 dear, dear friend recorded it. And so um, I asked, could I use permission, you know, to, to launch off the podcast? Because I think that being accountable is important. And again, I've learned that through the various friendships that I've had. I've had some people who've come in my life and who, who who have really imparted some things into my spirit, into my heart, into my life. Valuable, valuable wisdom. And so I'm I'm deeply indebted. But there's something about a mutual accountability that's a game changer, right? Like when you get into covenant with someone, and I've learned this with my partner as well, like when you're in covenant with someone and There is truly no ego between you, right? There is truly just this mutuality of love and respect and a a deep understanding of how to handle one another. That sends the accountability meter through the damn roof because at least for me, and, and I can only speak from my perspective, I'm constantly thinking about how am I handling the people that I love? How am I handling the people that I care about? That's brand new for me, man. Like sometimes I can, I can I be really real with y'all right now. Sometimes I stand in the bathroom, man, and look at myself and I think about where I was and where I am, man, man, I wouldn't have been able to have these conversations seven years ago. I wouldn't have been able to have these conversations five years ago. 
You know, I'm constantly doing the work. And that is what I have learned on my journey. And COVID came through like the woo. What? COVID came through and said, let me check in and see how you're adapting. Let me see if you really understand that you're really not in control, Thomasine. Like you really not in control. Let me see how you handle this situation. Okay. You said you free. Okay. Let, let me, let me throw this in the mix. And I'm telling you, I've had to show up. I've had to show up and it's so freeing. And I owe a lot of that to the friendships in my life. These conversations that you've heard over the last two podcasts, that's what authentically secure is. Authentically secure is showing up as your most authentic self, not being afraid, just be you. And I have been on a journey of that self-discovery and my God is so empowering. My God, it feels so good. I'm so grateful. And so thank you for riding with us. Please check us out on all social media at Authentically Secure. Drop us a line, DM us, let us know how you're enjoying the show. Do me a favor, like, share, and subscribe. Again, I'm your host, Tommy, and you have been listening to Authentically Secure, the podcast. Ashe. Ashe.